Chapter Fourteen of Murder Takes the Veil by Margaret Ann Hubbard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Fourteen. Theophilus Burns was in a hurry. Crouched over the wheel of his ancient truck, he peered into the radius of light moving dimly ahead over the swamp road, and heard with dread the commotion of his own passing. McElroy would probably have noted the exact hour, and could hand the information to that business-like Mother Hussis, and she would slip her hands up her sleeves and look wise and think. The churn man cackled. What could she think except that Mr. Burns had reconsidered his acceptance of her hospitality? She wouldn't know the extent of Mr. Burns' trepidation. Had the fear of God knocked into him, so he had, so did even the curiosity to be aroused by a sudden departure seem preferable to remaining longer on the grounds of St. Aurelian's. And the churn man, by nature and profession, was not one to court curiosity. When the fine pastures fell behind and long scalp blocks of moss began to show more frequently, dangling into the headlights from outstretched arms of live oaks, the churn man sat up straighter on the hard, springless seat. He was away, now. Any time he could stop and let Taffy out of the back and up where he loved to be, on the seat beside his master, his huge head resting where the breeze stroked him continually. Any time, Theophilus thought, but not quite yet. Put a little more distance between himself and what he had seen back there, maybe half the way to Bayou Florette. With every chug of the engine his confidence grew. What had possessed him to tell that old secret to the Muckleroys, he would never know, unless it was that red-headed woman with her pretty air of hanging on every word. "'Yeah, her doin's all of it,' the charm man muttered. "'Me a born storyteller, and her eatin' it up. Yeah, that was it. Oh, well, no harm done. I've scun out on the double.' No harm, of course. Seven years was a long time. The fellow didn't recognize him else why hadn't he returned the wave Theophilus sent him? Both of them had kept to themselves in that other era, never meeting more than to pass the time of day. The fellow hadn't been the kind you'd gas with. By the time the swamp had thickened to mere patches of solid land among vine-clad and hidden waters, Theophilus was his old cocky self. He could look back on the day with his usual bravado and see it as a milestone upon his own particular road. It had been a diplomatic withdrawal, only that carried him out the back way, in a longless trail so seldom traveled that it still held ruts from the spring downpours. He had planned, in the back of his head, to go to Bayou Fleurette, and he was simply taking the shortest route. The charman, as he would be the first to admit, was one to see an opportunity long before it walked right up and shook hands with him, and so when an inkling of an idea tapped at his mind, his foot grew lighter on the gas. The old truck coughed to a stop in the middle of the road, and he reached out automatically to shut off the switch. If he had not been so deep in thought, he might have noticed that another engine died with his, and not far back in the darkness. Theophilus also would have admitted that he had a one-track mind, and thus, when he was blessed with a new idea, he deliberated with a consistency that bulked description. It was long since he had an idea what the possibilities of this one, and he found it almost overwhelming. There would be no end to its advantages, so far as he could see. It would warm him in the cold, comfort him in tribulation. In short, 
be a steady and abiding support in his old age. The fellow would have to trust him, since Theophilus had seven years of silence behind him, to prove the stillness of his tongue, and so long as the fellow paid, the silence would continue. That wouldn't be difficult to put over. The churn man opened the door of his truck and stepped out, whistling softly. He would have liked to work over his exaltation in shouting and singing like a one-man revival meeting, but he didn't dare. Not that anyone would hear him. The swamp was as still as it ever is, whispering its own secrets. In the morning, Theophilus decided, he would go back. He could afford the night to think through his beautiful plan. He put his hand to the catch which secured the back doors of the truck. He could hear Taffy moving clumsily inside. With his hand turning the catch, suddenly tense, the churn man stood listening. Those sounds were not all being made by Taffy inside the truck. Soft steps were coming along the road, business-like steps as if the walker knew exactly where he was going and why. Theophilus wheeled, flat against the truck. He had forgotten to turn off the lights, and in the pale red of the taillight he saw who it was. He tried to speak, but the only sound was a feeble croak. All his slimy little ideas of blackmail whirled up madly into his mind. He wanted to shout, to beg, to implore, but he could not speak. The only sound he could manage was that feeble croak. The gun spoke instead, and the churn man slipped to the ground like a broken toy. End of chapter 14